Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reach Your Summit podcast, where we are helping you navigate the path to a better, more secure future. I am Jessica Magnuson, your host, here with one of our Ridgeland, Mississippi advisors, Josh Aller, um, who is joining us again about college planning and savings. So thanks again for coming back. If you did miss our first two episodes, uh, we went over how to choose a college, anticipating cost of college, and then some of our options with saving as far as possibly 529. So those two episodes are jam-packed with information. I would highly encourage you, if you haven't listened to those ones, to go back, give those a listen, and then come back to episode three, and we will be doing four as well um, to finish out this series. Today, though, we are going to be talking about some of the options for paying for college that are outside of those savings account options. Because if we're just being real, like that's not a reality for every person to have a 529 or to even have, you know, someone that's able to pay for their college. One of the things we are diving into is some of the assistance that the government actually offers for those who need it and can qualify for it. Some of you may be familiar or have heard of the free application for federal student aid, also known as FAFSA, which I find terribly hard to say. (laughs) So I really have to concentrate on that. But even if you haven't heard about it, don't fear. That is what we have Josh here for. So um, he's going to be answering all kinds of stuff for us. So For those that aren't familiar, let's just start with what is FAFSA and how do clients know or any of our listeners if this is something that they should be exploring? Yeah, uh, good question. We do talk a decent amount about FAFSA. Uh, You have to apologize, my Southern draws. I (laughs) mumble through that word as well. But uh, yeah, we get, we get a lot of questions about it. You know, we always kind of talk with clients about kind of like you said, there's four main ways to pay for college. We've got grants and aids. We've got scholarships. We've got cash flow. And I even include work in that cash flow. You know, yeah. maybe your son or daughter wants to work while they're in school. They got work study programs. And then last but, least, last but not least, very important is loans. Yeah. Uh, we generally try to stay away from the loans and we'll touch on that a little bit more here later in this podcast. But, uh, you know, like I said, focusing on the grants and aids, the, the free app, the FAFSA, the free application for federal student aid is you know, probably the most widely known, most utilized grant slash aid that comes from the federal government. And so what this is, is a you know, massive program where they hand out billions and billions of dollars in student aid every single year to kind of help you know, help families and help students pay for college. You know, we always highly recommend clients go on there and fill it out. You know, mm-hmm. you, you never really know. You know, I personally don't, haven't had anybody who's gotten a lot of aid from FAFSA, but, you know, there are stories out there about the clients and families getting a lot of help from FAFSA. Yeah. Um, and a key part of it is, you know, I talked about the four ways to pay for college. And those four ways between aid, scholarships, cash flow, and loans, you know, those come from the federal level, they come from the state level, and they come from the college level, the college itself. And so a lot of these, you know, the state and the colleges themselves require you to fill out the FAFSA anyway if you want to try to qualify for some kind of aid from the school or from your state. So 
it's almost borderline a requirement at this point in time. And so gotcha. like I yeah. said, it's a program you, you, you hop onto what's called studentaid.gov is the website is where you fill out the FAFSA. Um, you create an account and there's just like a 47 point checklist of all the things you need to gather. <laughs> you know, most, most people can Google that information, but you go through there, you fill it out. And essentially what they're doing is they're trying to, you know, the federal government is trying to understand your family's income, your family's assets, you know, what assets do you have available to help pay for college? And then, you know, try to determine what the cost of the universities that you are looking to attend, you know, and how that matches up. You know, if the cost of the college you want to attend costs $30,000 a year and you don't have that income and assets, they'll look at aid-based programs for you. Once you go through the whole process, they're going to send to you what's called the student aid report. You'll hear people call it the SAR uh, oh, and right. within that student aid report, it's essentially a summary of all the information that you put into the FAFSA application. Uh, within that application, they will have what's called the expected family contribution. That is kind of exactly what it sounds like, how much they, they, they determine your family can afford to spend on college. And then at that point in time, they base that up with the universities that you're looking to go to and either present to you that you don't qualify for the aid they present to you certain grants that you qualify for. They offer you the grants. You know, tricky part about FAFSA is that at that point in time, they do offer you student loans. I've heard horror stories about people thinking that that was a grant that they were applying for and they actually signed up for a student loan. So yeah, be very yeah. careful there. <laughs> uh, they also take this information and they send it to all the schools that you, you put on your list. And so those schools then at that point in time, they crunch their numbers and then they get in touch with you and say, you know, here's the aid that we can provide you uh, based on your FAFSA application. Uh, not every school will reach out to you. A lot of times it's going to be on you to reach out to, you know, the financial aid department and whatever school to see if they got your FAFSA information to see if there's anything out there that they can qualify for. So, you know, it's a process. It takes a long time. It's very important, however. I was reading earlier today when I was looking, doing a little research on this, I think like $3.2 billion of federal government aid went left like, you know, un, unspent last year just because people, you know, weren't signing up for the FAFSA or maybe filled it out incorrectly. So yeah. it's very important. You know, I, I recommend people do it. You may not get anything out of it, but you know, what's, what's the worst case scenario? You spend an hour of your Sunday trying to get some college aid, you know? Yeah. When uh, I was on the FAFSA website as well, just kind of going through, refreshing my memory, um, because I did also use FAFSA when I went through college. Um, and all over, everywhere, they were making it very clear uh, what you were mentioning about uh, people thinking that the student loans were some sort of grant, but that to be very clear read your fine print and make sure that you know what is a grant that's being offered and what is a student loan that is going to be uh, expected to be paid back. <laughs> so yeah. definitely something you want to pay attention to there. Big, big difference between a grant and a loan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the FAFSA, the federal grant money is handed out on a first come first serve basis. The, okay. the window in which you can apply for FAFSA started October 1st, 2023, and it will end on, I think it's either June 30th or July 1st. And so highly recommend, you know, stay on the ball, set a calendar reminder. You know, if you haven't done it for the upcoming school year next year yet already, hop on there and do it just in case. 
Yeah, I feel like the reoccurring theme that we keep coming back to in this is start early, (laughs) plan ahead. You know, um, it opens October 1st, a student's senior year um, in order for them to apply. And so, like you were saying, I didn't realize that it's first come first serve basis, which kind of goes all the more urgency to get in there and just start exploring it and get familiar with what you're going to be needing and what you are going to be eligible to get back potentially right. what kind yeah, of they, aid. They ask a lot of questions. Um, it does take a little time and uh, you've got to get yeah. tax returns, W-2s, stuff like that. But, you know, like I said, they're trying to understand the full picture of what you're capable of spending on college, but you know, highly recommend it. It's not a fun process, but it can be worth it. I know that also part of it is getting back a little bit of an estimate it said before you actually get accepted to colleges, once all the kind of final numbers are inked and you get hard numbers, um, you'll get a little bit of an estimate, which I felt like could be so crucial for people for knowing maybe what else they're going to have to cover with either scholarships or loans, or like you were saying, if kids are going to be working through college, knowing exactly how much they're going to be having to pay for. Um, so I, when I went to college, I somehow made friends with a woman in financial aid, (laughs) like freshman orientation and had this relationship with her. And she was like my guide. I would just go in there and be like, okay, Mary, what do I need to fill out? What do you want from me? Tell me what I need to do. And she did. And I realized now looking back, that is very much not people's experience. (laughs) So getting familiar with this stuff ahead of time and doing your own research is really, really vital, especially in this case. Especially on the side of the school. I mean, these schools have grant money. They have aid money. Mm -hmm. They want to give it to students, you know, but if, if you don't apply, if you don't apply yourself and try to track this stuff down, a lot of times it just goes unspent. Yeah. Which, yeah, you're just leaving money on the table there for sure, which we don't want to do. Another thing I didn't realize about FAFSA is that I've always heard about a Pell Grant, but never really knew what this is. Um, And I didn't realize that that kind of falls under the FAFSA thing. So if someone comes to you and is wondering, you know, what kind of grants or scholarships they should be looking into, do you ever kind of advise anyone on what a Pell Grant is and how they can get it? Yeah, it's funny. It's like, I feel like everybody in the country has heard of the word Pell Grant. Nobody knows what it is. (laughs) No one knows what it is. (laughs) You hear about friends getting it or, you know, people's daughters, sons get it. But yeah, I mean, Pell Grant is, you know, kind of exactly what it is. It is a grant, you know, given A, can only go to undergraduate students. Uh, But it's truly for, and they put it, you know, all over the website for, you know, extreme financial aid. And so essentially, you know, it's, you've got to have you know, very low income as a family to qualify for the Pell Grant. But, you know, it's also, you know, it, it's, a, it's a source. You know, they, they give out a lot of money through the Pell Grant. And there's a lot of other factors that go into it. But extreme financial aid, you can only get, I think it's around $7,400 a year from the, from the Pell Grant. But you can get it every single year. Schools actually are the ones that decide kind of who gets it and who doesn't. Oh, okay. Uh, and you've actually got to fill out the FAFSA every single year, you know, that you are applying to get the Pell Grant. It's a, it's like a one year contract, you know, because they want if you qualify for the Pell Grant and then your family hits the lottery, 
you're probably not going to get the Pell Grant the next year. You know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is another important part to point out is that FAFSA is something that has to be done annually. You're not yeah. just a set it and forget it freshman year one and done. Um, you got to keep going back and keep re-upping yeah. that contract, so to say. 100%. Yeah. But just like our lives change, you know, year to year financially, so does people qualifying and applying for aid. So another part that I wanted to touch on today is any kind of scholarship. So if clients come in to you asking, how do we figure out if we can get scholarships? Do you know of anything we can apply for? How do you kind of guide people in that arena? Yeah, I guess it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, earlier saying early and often. People aren't going to walk up to you off the street and hand you a scholarship just for being a nice guy that day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I always, you know, I tell, there's kind of an array of things I, t- I talk to people about this. A lot of the high schools offer scholarships, you know, talk mm-hmm. to guidance counselors about what you may qualify for. Contact the financial aid at, you know, the schools that you're applying for about what scholarships they think would be a good fit for you. You know, when you're applying for these scholarships, you know, read the fine print, read everything to a detail and follow it to a T. They say on there that you need to dot every single I that you write on this you know, application. You better dot every single I. Yeah. They, will, <laughs> they will toss it out, you know. Well, it's highly competitive. I feel like I remember applying for scholarships and it was like it felt like I was just a number in the sea of applications for it. So definitely, you yeah. know, like you're saying, doing everything you can to kind of stand out and do it correctly is 100%. vital. You know, and, yeah. and don't ignore the small scholarships. There's, you know, it could be a $500 scholarship your local community is offering, $1,000 here. You know, that stuff adds up. And oh, so absolutely. One thing I urge too is like a lot of, a lot of scholarships these days, you know, there will be a, a a thousand applicants that have a 4.0 GPA, you know, there's, mm-hmm. that's usually not the determining factor. It's really about, you know, who you are as a person, what your story is, what you're doing outside of school, how you're spending your time. And those, you know, scholarship applications are a good time to kind of brag about yourself, what you're doing outside of, outside of school. And like I said, who you are as a person, because that's what they're really trying to figure out is who you are and why you deserve this scholarship. And so grades are important for sure, but it's almost like they're just kind of a, it's like a filter. I mean, you already got to have good grades. You already got to have whatever. Right. They want to know who you are, get involved and do as much as you can outside of school to kind of help, you know, boost your resume and tell your story. I have heard, and I don't know about the validity of this, maybe you can speak to it a little bit, but a lot of times I've heard that smaller schools, if you're looking at those, they have opportunity to give out scholarships for academics or extracurriculars or just your background if they're looking for more diversity at their school or just you know people like whoever you are applying. So to not kind of write off these smaller schools just because they're not the big universities and whatever, but they really have a lot to offer as far as financial help to go towards your tuition. Without a doubt. I think we talked about it in the last episode or two episodes ago. You know, the you know, only very few people are paying the average sticker price of the, these universities. You know, they... I think I, I think it was Princeton I used the example of, you know, the, the oh, sticker right. price was 50 something thousand dollars. And just by applying yourself and applying for these scholarships, more than likely, you know, if you've worked hard in high school, there's going to be some some aid out there for you. There is so many resources now, like things are so accessible if you are willing to just put in a little bit of research for what scholarships are out there and available. And I think even in this, you know, 
phone is tracking everything and computer. I'm getting all of these targeted videos on like TikTok and Instagram and things of like people that are saying, go to this website to find scholarships for you that would apply to you. Or um, even going on YouTube and looking at how to apply for scholarships or where should I go? Like it's so much more accessible than it has ever been. When I was going through high school, you had to like go to Barnes and Noble and buy a book. Yeah. (laughs) Educate yourself or you truly just relied on your guidance counselors at your high school. Right. It's like scholarships for dummies, like go and buy one of those books. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the biggest, biggest piece of this we keep coming back to is preparing early and often. Like you said, that is all we have on scholarships and financial aid for you. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to our channel and we will be coming back to you next week with some more information on student loans and student debt, which I feel like applies to a lot of people. (laughs) So you definitely don't want to miss that one. Um, We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Reach Your Summit podcast brought to you by Summit Wealth Group. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, please email us at info at summitwealthgroup.com. 